Hey guys, it's comedian Mickey Coachella, and uh, I love listening to The Angry Millennial. There's nothing funny about it. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at clickgearclothingltd. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Angry Millennial. Today, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. What we're going to be doing is having a awesome interview with big podcaster John Lee Dumas. You may have heard of him. He runs a literal multi-million dollar daily podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire or EO Fire. Uh, we had the opportunity to have him on the show. Uh, but John, because he does a daily, <clears throat> that sort of thing, he keeps his interviews very tight. We're talking 20 to 25 minutes a piece, uh, both on his end and on, and on the end of other people's. So today, uh, since it's not an usual hour-long interview, uh, decided to really just kind of throw this in on a Wednesday uh, so you don't have to hear me and Jessica rant today. Sorry, people actually do like that. We'll be back next week. Uh, so yeah, let's check it out. We have a 25 minute interview with again, John Lee Dumas of entrepreneur on fire. Hope you guys enjoy. It was actually really fun, um, to do this because it, as you can imagine, usually having an hour or 45 minutes, it was a big challenge for me to keep it on task and get every, all the thing, everything. Uh, done in 25 minutes. So let us know what you think. Check out the episode and see you guys soon. What's going on, AM Nation? And welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we have the host of the wildly successful daily podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. How you doing, brother? Jose, I am here. I am prepared to ignite. <laughs> Sounds great, man. So let's jump right into it. How did it all start for you? I know, were you originally a North East dweller like myself before running off the sunny shores of San Diego? Well, if you consider Maine Northeast, then uh, yes, I was. And I'm sure yeah. you do because it's the most yeah. North and the most East. Yeah, that's, that's a country. tip, all right. Yeah, that's a tip. define Northeast. Yeah. So that was it, my friend. You know, I was just this whatever you want to call the oldest millennial or the youngest Gen Xer. We can talk about that a little <laughs> bit later because I am right on that cusp. Nice. And I was struggling with my job, with my life, mm -hmm. just wasn't inspired. And I def definitely did find inspiration from podcasts. And I loved mm -hmm. listening to podcast episodes. I thought they were so inspiring. But they were once a week, twice a month. And I was like, what's going on? I'm driving to work every single day. I'm hitting the gym three, four days a week. I need more content. Where mm -hmm. is it? It didn't exist. 
I decided right. to pull a little page out of Gandhi's book and be the change that I wished to see in the world. And I launched a daily podcast with no experience. I wasn't good. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but mm-hmm. I was committed to getting better every single day. And now we're talking four years later, 1,300 episodes later, wow. over 30 million downloads later, and I'm having a blast. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you you nailed it. And that's something that I think uh, a lot of people in your audience and ours uh, can appreciate and relate to is, uh, is really just kind of needing that guidance, you know, especially with our audience. It's a lot of creatives who, as you can imagine, uh, don't have that guidance uh, or to say direct path like most people who go into, let's just say, be an accountant or a doctor or lawyer or anything like that where a lot of us just learn our craft. And then after that, it's like, good luck, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it's a lot of up and down and a lot of uh, uh, doubt that creeps in on the on the daily. So uh, one thing I want to ask you, first of all, you know, thank you for your service. And Aww. do you think that your time in the military helped with a lot of the the personal struggles you went through late, uh, after that fact in, in your life and, and, uh, and helped you kind of maintain, um, you know, positive outlook? You know, there's some things that it helped with and there's there's some things that it hurt with and uh, Mm -hmm. that's just the reality. But one thing that it did help with is it helped me really gain perspective on, Mm -hmm. you know, what we typically refer to as first world problems. I mean, the reality is this. You're going to hear people complain every single day about something. And guess what? They're real complaints to real people and I get that. But there are people that really have things to complain about Mm -hmm. and worry about, you know, namely water, food, shelter, et cetera, like the core things that it takes Mm -hmm. to survive in this world. And, you know, that's just what's going to happen as a human being and that's fine is that, you know, we're always looking to improve our situation. We we very quickly acclimate to things, you know, whether Mm -hmm. they're better or worse. Right. And that's just, again, our best and worst qualities that we have. And, and having been in Iraq for 13 months and seeing, you know, what it looked like to be in a war-torn country and, and the poverty and X, Y, Z, it just really made me realize that, hey, like I'm probably going to acclimate pretty quickly back to what it, living in, in the United States and all that that, that entails. But I want to try to remember what it was like here so that when I am struggling and when things do seem like they're pretty tough, that I can put myself back in that situation and say, you know what, things are tough right now, but mm-hmm. it could be worse. Exactly, exactly. You know, being, uh, remembering to be, just be grateful, you know, and, and that's not exactly, a lot of people think of it as a very spiritual thing. It's not really, it's just a human being thing. Um, and just having that daily reminder and saying, hey, look, like you said, things can be worse. Uh, we're pretty well off and uh, we have to remember that every day. Yeah. Totally. For sure. So you've done quite a variety of things in your career. Most recently, before podcasting for you was was real estate, uh, which most people don't realize, I think, are like basically entrepreneurs in their own right. <laughs> you know, like it's it's a field and you have to like do certain things, like tick certain boxes to get like certified and get your license. But other than that, you're on your own. Um, so did you think that switch in jobs kind of opened your eyes to the world of being an entrepreneur right before you really kind of set out on your own? I do agree with you on a lot of levels. That is just a reality that being in, uh, a real, in real estate, especially being a residential real estate broker, mm-hmm. um, that's entrepreneurial. That was really my first toe dipping, so to speak, into entrepreneurship, Um, that's just the reality of my world because before that it was super traditional. You know, it was, 
uh, being an officer in the army. And then I was going off and trying uh, law school, then corporate finance and commercial real estate. Like all those things were pretty traditional. But then when I, you know, kind of stuck my toes into um, real estate on the residential side, things kind of got a little entrepreneurial. Like it was a Mm -hmm. tough market. I had to kind of get out there and try some different things. And I was, you know, having to self-motivate myself. And I was waking up in the morning and what I was doing that day was, you know, on me. It was my time. So mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, really interesting things happened during my four years in real estate that really kind of nudged me even further and further into entrepreneurship that I really do treasure. That's great. That's great. Um, so I would say while on this journey, right, through the beginning of your career, I got to know, what was your personal life like? I mean, for me, it's a dumpster fire. I mean, I concentrated more on my work than relationships. A lot of women back then couldn't handle that. Uh, and and that's fine. A lot um, of women, Jose, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> in the sense of, uh, of there were some salty ones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but on that note, my do you think... My harem of ladies yeah. was just struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My stable. Um, but tell me, what you know, what was that like? Was it was it just like you said, it was just you grinding and, and just kind of putting all that kind of stuff on the back burner and just concentrating on, on your career? And on that note, do you think you met Kate at the right time in your life? Yeah, so I met Kate before, well, well before I launched EO Fire, um, mm-hmm. almost a year. Um, we were in a relationship for almost a year before I launched EO Fire, and we actually had known each other uh, for two years prior to me launching EO Fire. So we had some history. Oh, okay. We knew each other first as friends for a year, then in a relationship um, for a year pre EO Fire. And mm-hmm. so she knew that I wasn't that happy with what I was doing. She knew right. that um, I was really looking for something that I was inspired by and that I could inspire others with. So she was very supportive, just having known that you know I was not going down a path that was going to lead to long-lasting and meaningful happiness. Mm-hmm. And so she supported my leap. You know, we definitely were in a situation that was fortunate where I had the funds that it wasn't you know going into poverty after one month of missing a paycheck. I mean, I definitely had a runway that would run out, Mm -hmm. but I had a runway that was not going to run out for a significant amount of time. In fact, I put my runway at about 18 months at that point. Wow. Nice. I was fortunate because, you know, I'd been in the army and I was deployed. And when you're deployed, you just kind of bank because you can't Mm -hmm. spend money and you don't pay taxes because that's one of the best. More more hazard pay than anything else. Yeah, exactly. All Mm -hmm. that stuff kind of added up to like 150K in the bank accounts um, with not a ton of expense. I definitely had expenses, but just not a ton, a ton. Right, right, right. So it allowed me to kind of launch in a pretty... Um, focused manner, not having to do a side hustle or anything, but just diving into EO Fire full tilt. And Kate still had her nine to fiver. So there was a little yeah. bit of, um, um, you know, kind of steady support there as well, if we needed mm-hmm. it. Right. So that made the transition easier. I definitely did ask Kate after three months to join EO Fire. And she was like, no, like, you're not ready <laughs> to, to bring me on yet. Like, she was like, not, you can't afford me. <laughs> right. She's like, you're not making any money. She's right, like, right, who right. knows you ever are. But then another three months went by and we did have our first five-figure month, like at month seven. Wow. And then she came on and she's like, okay, I yeah. get this. I see this. And mm-hmm. it actually happened to coincide with her kind of getting a little frustrated and disillusioned with her job, which mm-hmm. started off as her dream job. But over the course of you know a year plus, kind of morphed into something that just wasn't anymore. Right. So that made right. her transition easier as well. 
And then we were just in it together, you know, fighting and battling every day and growing a business to, you know, now where I'm talking to you from uh, a a perch on top of the Atlantic Ocean in Puerto Rico. Oh, nice. My home country. That's awesome, man. So how, how long are you down there for? Uh, we moved permanently to Puerto what? Rico. Yeah, what? You, might, you must not follow me on Snapchat, Jose. No, because every time I see you. it, I, I always think you're in San Diego. Well, <laughs> just, that was the I truth see. up to 12 yeah. days ago. But oh, there you on, go. on May yeah. 1st, I'm actually so 18 days ago. So on May 1st, I moved to Puerto Rico. Um, nice. And we live here permanently now and we love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. So just a quick heads up, uh, my whole family's from there and I'll be I'll be down there soon. So do you want to do the rest of the interview in Spanish? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, I'm 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 looking at my chops, man. I got my freedom journal. I'm writing in there, learning Spanish, crush it every day. I use That's an app great. called Duolingo every yeah, day. I use and it. It's a great one. Yeah, it's a cool app for sure. It's a great one. It's I was free. I was trying to learn Portuguese. Oh wow. And yeah, that's not too so. difficult for Spanish speakers, right? Like it's there's right. a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and that's why I'm like I'm not picking up uh, Mandarin or, or Russian. I'm like, <laughs> let me make it easy, you know, for my third language. Make it easy. Whereabouts in so, uh, Puerto Rico is your fan from? Uh, Ponce. Okay, so that's the southern side. I'm in mm-hmm. Quebradillas, which is the yeah. northwest. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. It's great. Congrats. I think they, um, I heard somewhere that um, people from Ponce say. There's Ponce and then there's like the suburbs and that like they feel very strongly that Ponce is like the hub of all of Puerto oh, Rico. Oh, <laughs> yes. So you've been down there long enough to pick up that. It yeah. shows just how cocky Ponce Ponce people are. <laughs> and that's true. They say Ponce et Ponce. Like like they they I equate it to if anyone's familiar with Spain, I equate it to the um the people from Barcelona, like the Catalans because it's the same thing. Like you're in Spain, they don't consider themselves Spaniards. They consider themselves like a country on themselves. Right. And that's why there's, there's some pretty serious civil wars over there. Cause yeah. Kate and I were actually in Barcelona a couple years mm-hmm. ago and that was very prevalent. Yeah. 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 I was there in 2006 and it was the same thing. I mean, there were riots and all kinds of stuff and it was, it was pretty crazy, but a uh, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Yeah, it is. So I too have a Kate in my life named Jessica. Oh. And the funny thing is, our story is much like yours. Uh, Jessica helps me produce the show part-time. Uh, she has a full-time job. Right now, this is my full-time job between this and writing and photography. Uh, and without her seeing my vision, I definitely wouldn't be here right now. Uh, so let's let's definitely give a big shout-out to Jessica and Kate. Boop, because, boop. Uh, yeah, because without them, we would we would definitely not be here. So that's <laughs> that's awesome. And so I didn't realize how similar that story was. It's yeah. pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty you neat. You follow me on Snapchat, brother. You don't know much about me at all. Yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta use Snapchat. Period. I'm like all about it, and then I just days go by, and I'm like, oh man, I haven't been on there. It is the best you know? social media platform by a mile. Oh yeah, for sure. So tell me, what was the best interview you think you've done to date for EO Fire? You know, there's been over 1,300, so mm-hmm. I really do feel like there's quite a large number to choose from. But, you know, one that I do look back upon that I'm pretty proud of, and it's fairly recent, is the one I did with Tony Robbins because it's somebody who I have admired from afar for a very long time, and he was Mm -hmm. one of the people that, while I was really struggling, really helped me um, get Mm -hmm. through some of those difficult parts when I was even pre-entrepreneurship just by listening to his motivational and talk, uh, inspirational talk. And having him just kind of jump on the mic and be like, hey, John, what's going on? Excited for today. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is Tony Robbins. 
but then being right. able to compose myself and actually hold a, a very well balanced interview, mm -hmm. um, I think was pretty important because you know Tony's the kind of guy, you know, God bless his soul, that can can really dominate a conversation if you let him. I mean, oh, he yeah. can talk yeah. until the birds come home, which is one of his mm -hmm. you know superpowers. But <laughs> I wanted to make sure that you know, we really had a well-balanced interview type question and answer format. So, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't afraid to butt in a few times and to ask him some questions and to right. even challenge him on a few of his answers. And uh, looking back on that is something I'm proud of because I was definitely nervous, even though, mm -hmm. you know, I had done over 1,200 interviews by that point. And I was definitely mm -hmm. um, intimidated on some levels by him, but I still was able to kind of put that aside and, and drive forward. I mean, let's talk about his physical stature. That yeah, dude is thank God giant. it was audio only. Like if, <laughs> yeah, if we exactly. were doing it in person, I'd be like, your hands are huge. <laughs> All I remember is the Shallow Hal movie he was in years yes. ago where he talks about, look at those bananas and talk about his fingers and his, <laughs> and his whole hand. It was hysterical. Oh, so man. conversely, that's a great one. So conversely, what was one that you think you just literally completely shit the bet on? I mean, yeah. I got money on the Gene Simmons one with how you mentioned how like it unfolded right before it actually went through. Yeah. And I can imagine that that, you know, I mean, we, I, I know it too, you know, especially when it's not, it's not one in person, the, the amount of little prep you do beforehand and getting, getting in the right space, then to say like, Oh, it's not going to happen. Then putting everything away and then suddenly going, it's happening. Oh, okay. Let me get back into it. And it, it definitely, like yeah. Having to put the sign out and like actually turn on my equipment. It was a whole process. Yeah, if you right. go back and listen to the Gene Simmons interview, I actually give a little pre-interview mm -hmm. chat about that disastrous day. And if nobody knows who Gene Simmons is, he was the lead singer for Kiss, a band of the 80s and 90s and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, um, I would actually say a time that I really feel like I shit the bed because I really am disappointed in myself because mm -hmm. it, was in the, it was in an episode around the 1100s, so I should have known mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. um, or I should have just been more adamant about the reality is this woman got on and she was so nice and sweet and, oh my God, I'm so excited, John. I've been so nervous all day. And so I really was just like, okay, like she's probably prepped and she'll be, you know, ready to go and she'll have a story mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I introduced her, et cetera. And then this girl just proceeded to so obviously read from a script and I mean, she literally she was holding a piece of paper that you can even hear was kind of shaking and rustling because she was so nervous. And she was reading off of this piece of paper. And, you know, listen, like I had sympathy for her because right. she was so nervous. She obviously was not a mm -hmm. good public speaker. And she mm -hmm. really was just dropping the ball on what I consider right. a, good, a good interviewee. And so I stopped right. the interview and I said, listen, um, you're obviously reading from a piece of paper. I need you to take that piece of paper, to throw it away. Mm -hmm. um, I am asking you questions about your life. These aren't trick or trivial questions. You know, what is your worst entrepreneurial moment? Just tell me that story. This is your life. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know that story. Just tell it like a normal human being. And she goes, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And she like, was very adamant about that. And then the interview started up again and it was so obvious that like she had uncrinkled the paper. I can almost even hear her doing it, like <laughs> spread it back on the paper. She just went back to reading it. You know, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm on a schedule here. I got another yeah, interview yeah, yeah. right behind this. I'm probably just not going to publish the interview. And, mm. and then, you know, she finished the interview. It was so obviously reading the entire time. 
Mm-hmm. And she sent like this follow-up email the next day, John, you made my dreams come true. Like it was, so, oh, Jesus. she had all these things. So I was just like, F it. Like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. was so obvious to me, you know, a practice ear that she was reading. Maybe mm-hmm. it won't be so for Fire Nation. So I just kind of right. forgot about it. And I published the episode, you know, it came out like a month and a half later. Cause that's about the lead time that I have. Mm-hmm. And I got bombarded by really from Fire Nation being like, John, what the heck? <laughs> this chick was reading from a piece of paper. So I underestimated my own audience, which I regret. And I'm right, disappointed right, right. in myself about because I should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just kind of let this sweet woman kind of flatter me into mm-hmm. publishing her episode because, you know, she would have yeah. been devastated had I you know, come back and said, hey, this is just not good enough to, to release. Right. And, right, and I right. will say, and this is not in my defense because I totally dropped the ball on that, but I did some interviews in the past where I was like, that interview sucked. And I published it and I mm-hmm. got emails from people that were just like, John, that interview really hit a chord with me. And I was like, wow, I guess I right. just can't be the 100% judge and jury on all right. of these things. Um, no, but that course. was a scenario that I failed in. No, and, and I, I can totally appreciate that. And like you said, it, it's just an example of how as much as we attempt to, not everything's on our control. And uh, and it's how we react to that. And like you said, maybe you felt like you went a little soft instead of maybe saying, hey, you know what? This is a great first turn. Let's 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 try it again later. You know, let's try again in a couple of weeks or months and see if you can get a better interview. But yeah, for sure. Uh, so listen, speaking of your schedule, um, I know we have about five minutes left. I have about five questions left. So let's fire see rounds. if we can keep. Yep, the fire round. So, given the success of your programs, what's your response to like some harsh critics who say like you merely give enough free content to hook them? into an expensive program, leaving them with like a bad taste. I mean, is it, is it mere good business sense that most, some people will say, or, or is it like short-term thinking? Yeah. You know, I would say that if anybody was was saying that about my content is the reality is they just haven't uh, consumed any of my free content because what I'm Mm -hmm. really proud about is freepodcastcourse.com. That is a complete 15 day, 20 tutorial course on how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast. And literally thousands of podcasts have been released just from that. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing about free webinar course. Create and uh, create a, web, a webinar that converts. And that's mm-hmm. a 10-day course with 15 tutorials. And boom, you're off to the races creating your webinar. And of course, there's going to be people that want more um, and that want more engagement. They want you want a community. They want you know X, Y, and Z. And then, yeah, there are other premium communities to join. Um, but I believe that you need to absolutely give the hook, line, and sinker on a free course. It's not just like, okay, well, you know, I've taken you 80% of the way. If you want right. that final 20%, let's have $1,000. I'm more like, hey, I'm going to give you 100% of the tools that you need. Now, if you want more, like a monthly webinar where you can ask me questions, a Facebook community so you can engage with other podcasters, um, if you want, you know, X, Y, and Z, like that is going to be part of my community. So big believer in giving it all away, um, that complete A to Z and allow people to just succeed from your free stuff. Mm-hmm. And that percentage that wants to to get more of actually you, whether that be during monthly Q&A sessions or phone calls or Facebook groups, then that's going to cost. Right. 
No, totally. I get it. it. Makes sense. Like you said, you, you people always say that. You know, they go, "Well, if you don't like that, well, okay, what was? Uh, have you really digged into me? And have you really digged into what what's out there? Because uh, it's it's definitely Gary V gets that a lot, right? And when he goes in right hook mode about a book he put out, and he's like, "Dude, this is like maybe a month." Yeah, and he's like, I, and it's right hook dollars." Yeah, and it's nineteen bucks. <laughs> Exactly. I've been just dropping value. Exactly, exactly. So it's all about perspective. So tell me, what do you think was the real turning point for the show? And do you think that doing a daily helped speed up that process? I think the, the turning point for the show was actually the day that I launched because I almost didn't launch. I was really close to just quitting before I started. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a big lesson and turning point for people that a lot of times your turning point in your business is going to be the day you actually push publish, the day you actually turn on whatever it is that you're doing. Because a lot of people get right up to that point and they never take the leap. So just take that leap. Nice. So like many guests of the show, you're a Creative Live alumni. So tell us quickly, how was that experience for you? It was a great experience. They reached out to me and they said, hey, John, we're looking to do a podcasting thing with Alex um, Bloomberg of... Mm -hmm. Um, who's now the great uh, host of Startup and the whole Gimlet media empire. And I said, listen, I don't want to actually go up there and do a full day of content because that's just a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm doing a lot of other things. So can I bring up three friends and we'll break it up into 25 percentile points? You know, I'll do um, half the morning and I'll, uh, my other friend do another half the morning and then the, the other two will split the afternoon. And they said, great, bring them up. So four of my buddy, uh, three of my buddies and myself rolled up to San Francisco, had a great night in the town, woke up the next morning, did the walkthrough. Um, really enjoyed that. I mean, they're just so professional. The handlers oh, you know yeah. exactly what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And then the next day was the actual show. And we each pr- presented for, I think, 90 minutes. And we had an absolute blast. And I still get residual checks from there. So financially, um, it worked out well. It worked out well, too. Nice. That's great. That's awesome. And like you said, you get to have fun with your friends too. So it's, yes. it was the best of both worlds. Now I found what my favorite scotch of the world is, Oban 14. Uh, nice, nice. So what would you say is the biggest risk you've taken in your podcasting career? i say the biggest risk I've taken was moving into a physical product because I had proven the digital products really from day one works. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving into the physical product world and, and launching the Freedom Journal this past January um, was a big risk because, you know, did my audience even want a physical product because we're such an online community and, mm-hmm. you know, the numbers don't lie. We became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time at over $453,000 in 33 days, over 7,000 backers. And to date, we've sold over 12,000 Freedom Journal. So it's been That's a amazing. great ride. And, uh, you know, if anybody listening wants to learn how to accomplish their number one goal in 100 days, thefreedomjournal.com. Awesome. So last question before we uh, sign off here. What is the name your biggest fear creatively? Um, My biggest fear creatively would be singing. Uh, I have a really bad voice and there's been some times I've sung on my podcast before and I always get made made fun of. (laughs) (laughs) So John, thank you again for taking the time out today. I know your schedule is jam-packed. So where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? All the magic happens at eofire.com. You can check out my free podcasting course, my free webinar course. And of course, you can visit thefreedomjournal.com to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. Awesome, awesome. So John, last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? Greg Hickman of system.ly. 
Greg Hickman. And it was of system.ly? Systemly. Oh, systemly. Okay, great. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, John, thank you again for taking the time out today. Greatly appreciate it. It was great to finally meet you and, and have you on the show. And uh, yeah, look, for, look forward to seeing great things from EO Fire. Look forward to seeing you in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, John, take care. Have a great day. Bye, Jose. All right, bye-bye.